Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Vemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. We're here on day number 232 and we're looking at Numbers chapter 32. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and for your word that is just so wonderful, a rich treasure for us and full of living truth and powerful, transformative by the power of your Holy Spirit. So we ask that you would take Numbers 32, that you'd make it clear to our minds and that you would plant it deep within our hearts and that your word would bear fruit by the work of your spirit in our lives for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Numbers chapter 32. Now the people of Reuben and the people of Gad had become a very, had a great, hmm. now the people of Reuben and the people of Gad had a very great number of livestock and they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead and behold, the place was a place for livestock. So the people of Gad and the people of Reuben came. And said to Moses and to Eleazar the priest and to the chiefs of the congregation, Adaroth, Dibon, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Eliala, Sabam, Nebo, and Beon, the land that the Lord struck down before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. And they said, If we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants for possession. Do not take us across the Jordan. But Moses said to the people of Gad and to the people of Reuben, Shall your brothers go to the war while you sit here? Why will you discourage the heart of the people of Israel from going over into the land that the Lord has given them? Your fathers did this when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up to the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the people of Israel from going into the land that the Lord had given them. And the Lord's anger was kindled on that day, and he swore, saying, Surely none of the men who came up out of Egypt from twenty years old and upward shall see the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. None, except... Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, and Joshua the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness forty years, and all the, until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. And behold, you have risen in your brother's place, a brood of sinful men, to increase still more the fierce anger of the Lord against Israel. For if you turn away from following him, he will again abandon them in the wilderness, and you will destroy all this people. Then they came near to him and said, We will build sheepfolds here for our livestock, and cities for our little ones. But we will take up arms, ready to go before the people of Israel, until we have brought them to their place. And our little ones shall live in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until each of the people of Israel has gained his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on the other side of the Jordan and beyond, because our inheritance has come to us on this side of the Jordan to the east. So Moses said to them, If you will do this, 
If you will take up arms to go before the Lord for the war, and every armed man of you will pass over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven out his enemies from before him and the land is subdued before the Lord, then after that you shall return and be freed of obligation to the Lord and to Israel, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Build cities for your little ones, and fields for your sheep, and do what you have promised. And the people of Gad and the people of Reuben said to Moses, Your servants will do as my Lord commands. Our little ones, our wives, our livestock, and all our cattle shall remain in the cities of Gilead. But your servants will pass over, every man who is armed for war, before the Lord to battle, as my Lord orders. So Moses gave command concerning them to Eliezer the priest, and to Joshua the son of Nun, and to the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the people of Israel. And Moses said to them, If the people of Gad and the people of Reuben, every man who is armed to battle before the Lord, will pass with you over the Jordan, and the land shall be subdued before you, then you shall give them the land of Gilead for a possession. However, if they will not pass over with you armed, they shall, they shall have possessions among you in the land of Canaan. And the people of Gad and the people of Reuben answered, What the Lord has said to your servants we will do. We will pass over armed before the Lord into the land of Canaan. And the possession of our inheritance shall remain with us beyond the Jordan. And Moses gave to them, to the people of Gad and to the people of Reuben, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, the kingdom of Sihon, king of the Amorites, and the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, the land and its cities with their territories, the cities of the land throughout the country. And the people of Gad built Dibon, Adaroth, Eror, Atroth-Shophan, Jazer, Jogbaha, Beth-Nimrah, and Beth-Haran, fortified cities and folds for sheep. And the people of Reuben built Heshbon, Eliela, Kiriathame, Nebo, and Baal-Meon. Their names were changed, and Sidmah. And they gave other names to the cities they built. And the sons of Maker, the sons of Manasseh, went to Gilead and captured it, and disposed, dispossessed the Amorites who were in it. And Moses gave Gilead to Maker, the son of Manasseh, and he settled in it. And Jair, the son of Manasseh, went and captured their villages, and called them Havoth-Jair. And Noba went and captured Kenath with its villages, and called it Noba after his own name. That is Numbers chapter 32, which is just a very interesting and somewhat mixed, confusing, uh, somewhat contradictory chapter. Not that God's word contradicts itself, but the actions of the people here are contradictory because people are very people-y, as it turns out. So what's going on here? Well, the, the short story, as you probably picked up, is that they've already conquered significant kings on the east side of the Jordan. So it's not going to be 
for a number of years still, uh, not very many, but a short number of years remain until the people are going to cross the Jordan and enter into the promised land and fight the battle of Jericho and Ai and then begin subjugating the land of Canaan and uh, dispossessing the Canaanites. But before they cross, they've already dispossessed Og, king of Bashan, and Sihon, king of the Amorites, and many of the Ammonites and the people of Gilead. So basically a whole bunch of people who are on the east side of the Jordan River, all the way from the Dead Sea up to the Sea of Galilee, they've dispossessed all that area because they've defeated the kings and they've defeated their armies and they've taken the livestock in battle. Remember when we were in Numbers uh, 31, they had all this livestock. So what are they going to do with it all? And where are they going to, what are they going to do with this land? Because if they just vacate the land and they all go across the Jordan, well, then you've got this empty land that's going to become filled in by somebody, right? And so the tribes of Reuben and Gad take the lead here. And then the tribe of Manasseh, who is the firstborn of Joseph's two sons, although in you may remember in Israel's blessing, uh, Manasseh got the second place to Ephraim. But Manasseh is a very large and very populous people, uh, the first of the two sons of Joseph. So you've got these two and a half tribes, and they decide that this land is very good pasture land for cattle. It's got fortified cities in it already that have been overthrown, and the warrior inhabitants of them have been dispossessed. So it would be very easy and very convenient for them to set up camp, well, to set up their, not just camp, but their permanent habitation on the east side of the Jordan River. God doesn't tell them to do this. God doesn't speak a word through Moses or speak a word through Joshua commanding them to do this. It's their idea. And Moses isn't super happy when he hears this idea because... He's thinking, if two and a half tribes of the twelve remain on the east side of the Jordan, the army is going to be diminished. And apparently Gad and Reuben and this half-tribe of Manasseh, they're pretty successful. They've got a lot of livestock. They're battle-tested warriors. And they make up a a substantial amount of the army. And Moses is concerned that the, the remainder of the people will lose heart. If they run into difficult battles or obstacles through thick-walled cities like Jericho or through where some of the giants are, which is actually where Caleb is going to end up going uh, down in Hebron area, uh, they, they might get discouraged and they might just give up. So he, he binds Reuben and Gad to a pledge. And so Reuben and Gad say, we're going to build our sheepfolds here. We'll leave basically our wives and our children here. And then we're going to go into the land as the fighting men. So that would be everybody between the ages of 20 and 50, if you remember the censuses from earlier. So all the men from 20 to 50 years old will go in and fight. So anybody over the age of 50, most of those had died in the wilderness, but if there was anybody over the age of 50, uh, (coughs) like they could stay behind, or if there were people under the age of 20, and that would include some older teenagers. Certainly people above 13 would be capable of tending the flocks and 
farming and taking care of things. And, and all the wives and uh, all the women are also very capable as well. So they do leave a population behind, but they take all the fighting men and they go over and they fight with the rest of God's people. But it sounds like a great solution. But there are some hints here that things are not quite as good as it may seem. And the most explicit hints that things are not quite as good as they seem come really in the last two verses. Jair, the son of Manasseh, went and captured their villages, and he called them Havoth Jair. And Noba went and captured Kenath and its villages and called it Noba after his own name. So the very last two verses of this chapter, you have Israelites who are capturing cities and who are naming them after themselves. That should make you recall all the way back to Lamech and the line of Cain from Genesis and that line that said basically we're going to glorify ourselves and not glorify the Lord. And if you know the history of Israel after this time, you'll know that there was a significant cultural divide between those who lived on the east side of the Jordan River and those who lived on the west side of the Jordan River. And for all practical purposes, over time, the tribes on the east side of the Jordan River begin to be so culturally assimilated into the pagan surrounding nations that they lose their distinctive cultural identity. And, and the Jordan River becomes a significant uh, dividing line between the people who are in the land of Canaan, which was the promised land. That's the land that God always spoke the promise about, was from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, and then from the Sinai Peninsula of Egypt up to the Euphrates River. So that they've taken part that's not really part of the promised land. Now God gives it to them, and they are able to settle in it, but it doesn't quite turn out to be the best for everyone. So this is a good lesson for us in that sometimes pragmatism, what makes sense, sometimes ease and convenience, right? What is close at hand might seem to be the solution to our problems. But if it doesn't really align with God's word, God may allow it, but it may not be truly blessed of the Lord if it's not really the best that God has promised and prepared for us. So that's one practical lesson that we can have here. And I think one way that we can see Christ here is that Christ ministered to the Transjordanian area. So he would go across the Sea of Galilee to the area east of the Sea of Galilee. He would also cross over the Jordan River and he would minister to the people who were across the Jordan. And so God never forgot his people who were on the east side of the Jordan River. And Christ did reach out to them, even though they had compromised, they had become culturally assimilated. You may remember the, the village with the herd of pigs, the man who was possessed by demons, a legion of demons, and then Jesus cast them out into a herd of pigs. That was on the other side of the Sea of Galilee in this Transjordanian area. That would have been the area that was settled by the half-tribe of Manasseh, that northernmost area on the east side of the Jordan. So Jesus does reach out to them, but there's consequences, right? And then the other thing we see about Jesus here as the true Israel 
is that he never took the easy way. You know, there Jesus could have served himself. He could have looked for what was convenient or what was pragmatic. But Jesus always did what was obedient instead of settling for what was convenient or what was pragmatic. So we can be encouraged that God never forgets his own, even his own who are faithless and worldly and compromised. God still pursues us. God still calls us to himself. God still draws us back to himself. And we can also be reminded that Christ always did everything fully obediently to the Lord, no matter what the cost, no matter how inconvenient or impractical it seemed, all the way up until he took all of our sins upon himself on the cross and then rose again to conquer death and hell forever for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the life of your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Thank you for his triumph over sin and death. Thank you that he never took the easy way out or we would not have our salvation. We thank you that our salvation is complete in Christ and we rejoice in that salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, tomorrow we're going to pick up right where we left off with the idea of Christ not taking the easy way out because we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, which has the centerpiece of Philippians, the Christ hymn of Philippians 2 verses 5 through 11, which talks about how Christ um, obediently submitted himself to the Father even unto death. So I hope you can join us for that Philippians 2 tomorrow. Have a blessed day in the Lord. Mm -hmm.